Hey everyone, this is the fourth part of my ongoing series exploring the original rough draft George Lucas had for the Return of the Jedi. I'll be reading directly out of the book The Making of Star Wars Return of the Jedi, but for some passages, I'll summarize the action, as they are very similar to what we saw in the movie. For the parts that are different, well, they are very different, especially what Obi-Wan reveals to Luke about the abilities of Force Ghosts. Abilities I wonder if they might explore in Episode Nine. As we know, J.J. has seeked counsel from George Lucas himself, so it is possible. I'd highly recommend you look at my other videos going over this rough draft. If you haven't, I'm going to provide the link down below. But to quickly bring you up to speed, the Rebels don't just need to bring down a shield generator that is protecting the second Death Star. Instead, they have stationed two laser cannons on the forest moon that orbits the capital planet of the Empire, which in this early draft is named Had Abaddon. The Rebels want to use the lasers to destroy a shield generator on the city planet, along with with a communication grid that is communicating and protecting not one, but two Death Stars. Vader has fallen out of favor with the Emperor, and so the Monarch and his stooge, Grand Moff Jarjarad, are planning behind his back to deal with Luke without him, something the Sith Lord does not take kindly to. Leia was never on Tatooine to rescue Han, so they have yet to be united. Being chased by Imperials, she recently was knocked off her rocket bike, or you know, swoop bike, and wakes to meet Wicket and the other Ewoks. However, in this early draft, they're actually called Ewaks. They fight stormtroopers together, and she is taken to their cave where the little furry creatures live. They soon make her a part of their tribe. Looking for her, Luke, Han, Chewie, and the gang are soon separated. When Luke is chased away by a walker. The others end up in a net as we saw in episode 6, but this time without Luke. The young Jedi instead encounters Obi-Wan, except this time he's just a shimmering image on a log. Now, just wait for a second. This part is very, very interesting, and if George had kept it, would have changed absolutely everything. There will come a time when you must destroy your father or join him. I know, says Luke. The longer you wait, the more difficult it will become. Time is running out for me. Soon I must rejoin the material world, or I will become one with the Force. Luke says, Come back, Ben. I need your help. I am of greater use to you now than if I return to your level. My corporeal self is old, and Vader is far too strong. Here, I can limit his use of the Force. Yoda appears on the far side of Luke, having joined Ben in the Netherworld, again counseling that Luke must face Vader. Alright, so let's talk about what Obi-Wan just said to Luke. He isn't really dead? Forced ghosts can return to the living? In the teaser for episode 9, we hear Luke tell Rey no one is really ever gone. And in this case, I guess that's true. Which is why I'm wondering if J.J. Abrams is going to take any inspiration from this earlier draft of Return of the Jedi, since he has talked to George about it. On the one hand, it's cool, and on the other, it makes the Jedi kind of immortal. At this time, it's not established that only a few Jedi knew of this technique to become a Force ghost, so they would all return from Order 66, I'm guessing. Perhaps it's the dark side powers of the Emperor that is keeping them in the Netherworld. And what about the part where Obi-Wan says he is able to limit Vader's use of the Force? The Emperor in the beginning of this draft has been displeased that Vader's power has weakened. Is it possible that Obi-Wan is making Vader less powerful in the Force? Perhaps leeching his power? Anyway, let's continue. Luke gives himself up to the pursuing walker. From this point on, things happen pretty similar as we saw. 3PO is mistaken as a DT by the Ewaks. <laughs> Lando and Akbar position the fleet to approach Had Abaddon. Luke is taken to Veers, who tells the shuttle captain to take him to Vader, despite standing orders to escort Luke to Had Abaddon. The captain complies, but tattletales to Grand Moff Jarjarad. 
Han, Chewie, and the droids are taken to the cave where Leia intervenes and they are reunited. Leia gives Han a big hug and a kiss. And again, as happened in the movie, they get the cute teddy bears to join them. They split into groups. The droids and Tebow, one of the Ewoks, head for the Falcon to give the attack message to the rebel fleet, while Han, Leia, Wicket, and Chewie head for the first gun emplacement. Veers and a few guards hand over Luke to Vader on the bridge of the Super Star Destroyer. Luke informs Vader that his powers no longer affect him. He is strong no longer affect him. Let's think about that for a second. Does that mean that Luke has become so powerful that Vader can't use the Force on him? Vader answers Luke with, But not strong enough to destroy the Emperor. He will crush you if you do not embrace the dark side. I cannot keep him from you. You must decide quickly. The Grand Moff Jer Jared enters the bridge area and approaches Vader. Jer Jared says, So this is the boy that has given you so much trouble. Not very imposing, is he? Why wasn't he taken directly to the Emperor? Vader says, He is mine and I will take him myself. I'm afraid the Emperor does not desire your presence. He will go with me. Vader grabs the Grand Moff by the neck and begins to lift him off the ground with one hand. The generals, admirals, and crew look on in disbelief. Jar Jar gasps for air and struggles to free himself from the Dark Lord's iron grip. No one will be going with you, bureaucrat. I no longer wish to be annoyed by your simpering ways. The Emperor will destroy you for this. Vader snaps his neck and drops him to the floor of the deck. I think not. Your importance has been greatly exaggerated. Vader grabs Luke and leads him off the bridge to the startled stares of his commanders and crew. And that's where I'm going to end this episode. So uh, what happens on the way to the throne room and the throne room scene itself is really intriguing and revealing. Uh, it's a completely different feel that this ending would have been given us if we actually got it. And then there's Jar Jar. In the film, he was the commander of the second Death Star, charged by Vader to bring construction back on schedule. But there are deleted scenes where he was some type of rival for Vader to deal with. Anyways, uh, let me know what you guys think. Hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, please let me know if you want me to continue the series. Of course, I would love to. So hit like if you enjoyed it, and I'll see you in the next one. Until then, remember, the Force will be with you always.